Hello and welcome to episode 45 of When Life Is Your Lemons Go Vegan. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and in this podcast, I share people's incredible stories of recovery after adopting a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. This episode is something that was really excited to share with you all because it's something that I haven't really I've touched on a little bit as far as mental health and depression and anxiety in relation to a whole food plant-based diet but in my life um, people that I have cared about have been diagnosed with bipolar before and I was really hoping I would find someone who had a story of recovery from bipolar or who was living well with it at least. And this week I have that story. So Julie Corinne is this week's guest on the show. And not only was Julie diagnosed with bipolar, but she was also diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. These two illnesses took a lot from Julie's life. And she shares her story with us this week. And I really hope that it gives some hope to people out there who are living with bipolar because it is such a, you know, it can be such a devastating illness for people who are living with, who are living with it and affected by it in all aspects of their everyday life. I hope that you enjoy Julie's story. Thank you so much, Julie, for coming on the show and sharing your story this week. Got so much out of of hearing what you've been through and so much encouragement that, you know, things can be so much better for people when they put the right fuels into their bodies. So thanks again. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy the show. Hello, Julie, and welcome to the show. Hello. Okay, so basically I've given you a little bit of an introduction already, but could you just fill in the gaps? Tell us your story and, you know, how you got to where you are today. Okay, well... um I got very sick a couple of years ago in September 2016 and just before we left I had stiffness in my fingers and gradually on the journey uh, we went in the car and we were going to be camping in Alice. Um, I had increasing stiffness and and weakness and and just felt uh, didn't feel okay. And then when we got there, when we were camping on the floor, I could hardly get up off the bed. It was taking me five minutes to try and get up. And I knew something was really wrong. I ended up in the hospital twice. uh, And that's an emergency with severe joint stiffness and pain. And um, the doctors advised my husband to get me back on the next plane. So I came back to Adelaide and was seriously ill in hospital for a week, uh, waking up so pat in so much pain that I couldn't move and um, had to have steroid injections into my shoulders and my backside just so that I could move and went home and gradually over the next few months I researched because they still didn't know what was wrong with me and I did research and and gradually realized that the diet had was a big clue into getting me better went on and searched up anti-inflammatory foods and had a lot of ginger and garlic and turmeric and that sort of thing. Went more whole foods and no processed food and got a lot better. So I 
four months later, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and then uh, was told I had to go on methotrexate because my symptoms were really bad and my inflammatory markers were sky high and I didn't want to go on the methotrexate. So I came home and Googled madly and came across Dr. John McDougall and who, who, when I was researching, I saw Dr. John McDougall talking to Clint Patterson on, on um, YouTube. And that's I came across Clint Patterson. So I got onto the Patterson program and I gradually got better. And, and within a week of not having any meat, I was able to run and climb stairs with no pain. Wow. Which was just amazing. And so... Within that three month period, my inflammatory markers went right down. My ESR went back to normal and my C-reactive protein was still high, but had lowered considerably. So, but I felt much better and I just kept doing that. And then still had some seafood, but shouldn't and stopped having that. And then anyway, in February this year, I went back to the rheumatologist that told me I had to take the methotrexate, who also, by the way, told me that diet didn't have much to do with it. She said that I was better and she didn't need to see me anymore, so she discharged me. So I went from being really quite <laughs> getting more disabled <laughs> to being able to function normally again and 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 I didn't have to resign my work, which I thought I would have to because it was just too difficult to, to uh, mobilise. Yes, I was going to ask you how your work was suffering or being impacted during that time when you were so stiff and sore. Uh, I had to have a few weeks off work. I had lots of days off. I had to, in the end, um, wear supports, uh, joint supports. You know, the tubey grip that you get? had tubey grip on my elbows, my wrists, my knees and my ankles. And I walked really slowly. <laughs> but I was still able to go to work, but it was getting increasingly difficult. And by the way, before that incident happened, where we went to Alice, um, three and a half months before, I um, had a head injury. And a, few, and a few months before that, I had severe like chronic ear, ear infections for which I was treated with antibiotics so I'd been on four lots of antibiotics within five months and three months later is when the rheumatoid symptoms set in so I think it might have been a combination of the antibiotics and then the head injury or I slipped on a wet veranda and hit my head into a wall and had severe concussion I think that triggered it too I don't know but I ended up pretty sick mm. Yeah, it's fascinating like what can happen like I don't I don't claim to know anything, but when there is a trauma, what can happen in the rest of the body when we have a significant trauma? Yeah, and and antibiotics obviously impact on our gut microbiome which then contributes to chronic disease. So, definitely all could have played some form of role in you being diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, wow. And so before this instance, how was your health? Uh, I had trouble. I used to get headaches every few days and I used to get um, tummy upsets and I gradually became intolerant of dairy. 
um, where even if I had a teaspoon, if I had a teaspoon of milk in the end, um, I'd end up on the toilet for two days. Pretty sick. So I obviously had an intolerance to, to dairy. Um, I'd had Hashimoto's already for 16 years when I became unwell. I've now had it for 18 years. But that has also improved significantly and I've now been able to lose weight since changing my way of eating. Wow. So you had Hashimoto's for 18 years? Yes, now, yeah. But um, I, I uh, started having Brazil nuts with selenium content, vitamin B12, and stopped gluten. And that made a big difference and I was able to then lose weight. Three weeks after doing that, I went to the doctor and he had to lower my thyroxine from 150 to 100. Wow. So I'm now on 100. So it has got a lot better. And plus I, I hit a roadblock and wasn't able to lose any weight. Then I was able, then I, um, I was able to lose a few more kilos. That's fantastic. Sometimes with hashies, people just can't lose weight no matter what they do. I have a friend with it as well. I've had a couple of people on the show with it as well and who all talked, well, most of them talked about weight weight issues, losing the weight, that it just sticks to you. For... Yeah, wow. I did not know you had Hashimoto's disease and that's such a helpful, I think a lot of people listening will know someone because thyroid problems are kind of the the thing everyone's got at the moment. So, yeah, your story is very, very inspiring as far as, you know, going from 150 to 100 after being you know, live, living with the disease for over, you know, 18 years, it's it's a really positive... How long have you been eating this way for? Two years, since... Oh, January last year. So about 18 months. I did have a... I thought I had a pretty healthy diet I had before. I had lots of fruit and veg, not as much as I have now, of course. And not, I eat lentils instead of meat. And... I, I thought I ate a pretty good diet. I did like my chips and lollies. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I liked them as well. <laughs> now I just make oven-baked chips. <laughs> yes, yes. Now I wanted to know, like, when you were in that stiff – because a lot of people are back where you were when they're stiff, they're sore – Everything feels really hard. So if you can go back to that feeling where you're kind of frightened about your future and you feel, I just want to go back to the worst possible time of your life and just explain to people the steps you took to get out of that dark place. Before I came across the Patterson Crow program, Dr. John Mood, uh, Dougal, I looked up. Um, anti-inflammatory foods and realised that lots of fruit and veg was really good and less meat would be better. And I, I specifically had a lot of fruit and veg that were had anti-inflammatory qualities and I also added the spices like turmeric and garlic and ginger to a lot of my cooking, like heaps of it. And that I think that did help. Um, when I was researching, when I came out of hospital, uh, trying to get off the Panadine fork, because when I left hospital, I was put on a concoction of um, ibuprofen and Zomac and then Panadine fork four times a day for the pain, which, of course, isn't very good for your gut. 
and my husband was concerned that I was becoming addicted and I knew that and but I didn't know how to get off so um, I was watching YouTube and saw these people with fibromyalgia at this stage they didn't know what was wrong with me and I thought those symptoms sounded pretty similar so what these people had done was they just went on fruit and veg so I did that and within one week of just having fruit and veg and lots of water my pain reduced by 60 percent that is amazing I kept doing that and the following week my pain had reduced by 80 percent so then I have a nursing background too from intensive care so I I thought, well, I can just cut back these medications myself. So I gradually cut back the ibuprofen, cut back the, stopped the Panadine Fort when the pain was under control and just had some Panadol when I needed it. And then of course I didn't need the Somac anymore because I didn't have to have the ibuprofen. So then I gradually got off all the med- meds, except I was still on thyroxine and I was on bipolar medication. Of course, I was still having, I still, I gradually, after those two weeks of just fruit and veg, I went back to my normal diet with dairy and meat. And then, of course, I got worse. And that's when I started following the Patterson program and started to get better. So, um, yeah, when I was in the hospital in severe pain, I would wake up and not be able to move for about five minutes. And then I had to gradually move my fingers and then my wrist just to get to the bell. And I needed help to get out of bed, to go to the toilet. And I needed help to shower as well. And I was thinking, God, I'm going to end up in a freaking nursing home. I'd only been married for 18 months at that point in time. This is my second marriage. My first husband had died. My first husband died seven years ago, uh, leaving me with our three sons who were four, 14 and oh julie that's awful that was really hard and um, my faith helped me through that i have a christian faith so when i got really really ill i did have faith and i i did believe that i would get better and i prayed that i'd get better and i did that's been a very important part of my journey which is part of the reason why i've become a chaplain because I like to listen to other people's stories and how they're going when they're having difficult times and they're suffering, like I did. I like I just like to be able to come alongside people and help them in their journey. Um, so anyway, the other really good thing is that I've been able to completely come off my bipolar medication. Yes, and this is one of the reasons why I really wanted you to come on the show and I'm so excited that you're here, Julie, because... We have touched tiny bit on mental health throughout this podcast so far. Um, I think Andrew Taylor, who I mention each episode, hi, Andrew, <laughs> he talks about how his mental health was helped on his during his 365 days of eating potatoes only because he was – you know, he was regularly depressed and had some suicidal ideations and he just found that when his food became moved out of the way and he started to look for joy in other places and those types of things, he, he and just the food itself was cleaner, clearer, not weighing him down, he felt so much better. And I think for me as well, like I was very, very depressed. Now, anxiety still can be an issue for me, but it's very much like my depression. I'm no longer depressed. I was depressed for years and years. And bipolar is 
a next level again. So we've had little people talk about, you know, just depression and anxiety, how it's helped. But bipolar is so much, so much better. So please go into that part of your story because I'd really like to hear how this, how, how it has been for you and how this way of eating has helped. Well, my, um, I already, already had underlying anxiety and depression. My husband uh, was first husband, Chris, the father of my three sons, was quite abusive and that affected my mental health. And then he left me actually when I was pregnant with the third son. And that was a very difficult time for me. And I was always very independent, but was finding it very hard to cope. And I didn't know how to let people know that I needed help. So I just got worse and worse. Then he died four years after he left me. So he divorced me two years after, and then he died two years after that of uh, stomach cancer at 52 years of age. So there was only 10 months from the time he was diagnosed to when he died. So that time of trying to take my three sons through the grief of their father's death was incredibly difficult. And I actually still loved him and I missed him a lot. And I just found it so hard. I had to leave my nursing job as well because I had a back injury in my lower back and just couldn't tolerate even making a bed. So I had to leave my nursing job and that put financial stress on me and my family as well. I haven't been able to get permanent work actually since I left my nursing job. I always worked for the government, but now I've just worked casual work. But back then, it was casual a few hours here and then not enough the next fortnight, then 25 hours the next fortnight. And I was relying on single mum's pension, which did help me. Always managed to pay the mortgage and the bills, but never had, you know, was never went and bought a new dress or anything because I just didn't have money. So that was really hard. And um, gradually it just got worse. And I ended up, my family had to look after my kids for me and I, uh, just hit rock bottom and I, I was getting treated for anxiety and depression but it was actually a lot worse than that I actually had bipolar now if you're if you've got bipolar and you're just on antidepressants uh, it can actually be dangerous so I, I ended up getting re I had to go to a hospital mental hospital uh, for a couple of weeks and then they re-diagnosed me and then once I was on the correct medication I started to get a bit better. But strangely enough since getting sick again two years ago uh, I've been able to completely come off my medication. I wanted to come off it anyway. When I was in hospital the doctor took me off, my psychiatrist took me off lithium because my, uh, my bloods for my renal function were bad. And, but that was probably from all the other medication I was taking as well. But he decided to take me off the lithium and I went okay, but then I had to go back on Seroquel. But in the beginning of this year, um, I was able to stop that completely and I've been off all bipolar medication for seven months. I don't have anxiety and depression. Mind you, I met my second husband, Drew, five years ago and we got married. He's been a big, a really good friend to me and a big support and has helped me, you know, as a friend and also the financial side of it, having someone to, there to support me and my family has also helped. Wow. 
I wanted to ask you, when you're coming off those types of medications, for anyone listening, because they're quite heavy-duty medications from what I, my limited understanding. Always under the guidance of a psychiatrist. Yes. And so what do they look for? Like when they're with, when they're, when they're. They go through what's your sleep like, what's your diet like, how are you feeling, how's your anxiety levels, how, you know, are you feeling depressed? They ask you all these questions and they do an assessment and they figure out if you're going to be okay to drop your medication. So they just wean you off the medication really gradually. And that's what my doctor decided to do because he didn't want me to come off them more quickly and then end up having to stay on them. So we, he weaned me very, very slowly. Great. And I love that you're saying that because I think, you know, I don't want the message to be just go off your medication or you're on a whole, whole food plant-based diet. I, you know, like gradual. I did just go off my ibuprofen and my Panadine 4 on my own. <laughs> All right. I'll allow it. You can go off your But I was seeing the doctor and telling him what I was doing. Yeah. And, of course, he was, the doctors were glad I came off that Panadine 4. And painkillers, like I've mentioned previously in the show, you know, I used to eat them like candy. I'd eat, I'd eat four at a time when I had fibromyalgia very badly when I was in my early 20s. I would take four at a time. I would have, you know, more than the daily recommendations. I would have four at a time every about, you know, every, every about four to six hours. And you just become so – you just want – I can remember it so strongly just thinking I want the strongest pain. This pain is hurting, painkiller. This pain is hurting so much. I don't want to feel it at all. And so I really know what you mean when you, and, and, and going off it is such a like, oh gosh, you know, such a relief eventually. The other thing that really helped too, and when I come out of hospital, is that I had, I went and saw a physio and got them to do hydrotherapy with me in the pool. So they did exercises specific for my joint pain. And and I remember first getting in the pool, my pain was like 8 out of 10. And then when I got out, it was like 2 out of 10. Because in the water, you can move your joints a lot more than you can out of the water. So that moving your joint around more under the water allows more oxygen and nutrients to get to that tissue that can't get there because you're not moving it enough. Yeah, so that, that's been a big help. And also this year, um, a part of helping my mental health was I decided to do something that I really liked doing because I've always been a wife and a mother, you know, always busy working and doing what I had to do at home. I'd always enjoyed singing. And so I started with a group called the Ethelton Entertainers. What? This is put on a show uh, once a year here in Adelaide of uh, six nights in a row this year um, and they raised money for children's cancer so now i get to sing and dance and act this is so <laughs> exciting i love this so much and it, it it's so it's for me i love doing it i love meeting new people yeah. And it's been so good for me. Yes. And I think that most people you meet who – now, I, I am generalising wildly, but most people who you meet who are, you know, living with depression, anxiety, some mental health problems, a lot of them have literally, like, literally nothing left in their tank. You know what I mean? And when we give back to ourselves and do things that are just – 
they're not making us money. They're not putting food on the table. You know, they're not, you know, giving to your kids or giving to your husband. Not They're not for anyone but us, you know. And I think most of our society are taught that that's selfish to do and do things for yourself. But, you know, as, you know, again, referencing Andrew, just talking about, you know, if we we then we then use foods and dairy and meat and all these things to get this brief moment of happiness and processed foods when if you do something like what you're doing singing and giving back to your soul rather than just eating to fill this void where joy used to be <laughs> you know when it's just so important and such a powerful message to rather than using food as that source of comfort to comfort ourselves from doing things that light us up and fill us with happiness. Okay, so when you found out all this, how how did Drew and your kids go with you now eating a completely different way? Was it a big challenge for the family or were they all like super supportive? It's still quite challenging. I have an 11-year-old at home now and um, he likes meat. He likes chicken. So it has been a radical change for him too because we used to have meat or chicken or seafood every day. So now he eats mostly vegetables and lentils. So I do let him have chicken like once a week. But um, my husband's vegetarian. We eat a lot of soup in winter. My husband's also a really good cook. So he's able to help me change some of the food that I eat so that it's vegan, yeah. But we've had had a few arguments about no oil and, and not having cheese and stuff. So I just go, well, if you're cooking deep fried stuff, just don't give me any. And and you have to do mine in the oven, not on the stove. So we're gradually working it out. But um, he, he has come on board a lot. I mean, he's vegetarian all the time at home. He doesn't go buying meat and stuff. Occasionally he'll buy some salmon and have that. So... Uh, yeah, it's, it's gone pretty well. And my sons, uh, Thomas and Zach, they're 21 and 17. They live together. And they often cook um, with lentils as well now. Oh, that's great. And rice milk, yeah. Oh, that's really great. And so what were the biggest struggles you had at the very beginning with adopting this way of eating and changing your whole way of eating? What did you find like, oh, this is hard, and how did you get through that? Really, well, the clue was that week when I didn't eat any meat and I didn't eat meat or dairy and I had no pain. So it didn't really matter what I had to do. I just had to get rid of the pain. I didn't really care if I had to change my way of eating. It, that was the Yeah, well, I didn't want to... I'd been a single mum for about 10 years before I met Drew, suffered financial difficulty, and I didn't want to end up being disabled and not able to go to work. And I wanted to contribute financially to our home. And I couldn't, I, I didn't want to just be dependent on Drew. I didn't think that was fair on him. So, yeah, that was my aim. Yeah. Was there anything that you found really tricky or nothing? You were just like, I, I, the, pain's, the pain being gone is worth it. I'll just figure it out. I was able to have a little bit of seafood now and then. I do really miss my, my prawns. <sighs> My mum would miss them too. She's obsessed. But, you know, if I do try and have a little bit of seafood, um, I end up with a lot of pain. I didn't understand at first, but that's because um, it starts off in the gut 
and then the big proteins floating around your blood are the problem because your immune system attacks the protein in the blood but also attacks the protein on the end of your joints which looks just like the big particles of protein floating around your blood once I understood that, it was no more meat for me. It's so fascinating, like when you start looking at how food hurts or heals your body. Like there's so many things to learn about and discover, and it's if you're like me, it becomes a little bit of an obsession. <laughs> I also I also learned that gluten's not good for people with Hashimoto's either, because the gluten, similar to the protein floating around in the blood, the gluten looks like the thyroid gland. So that's why the thyroid gland gets attacked because it looks like the gluten particles floating around in your blood. Molecular mimicry. Yes, I stopped the gluten. I stopped the gluten in the beginning of the year and felt so much more energy and felt so much better. Though even though I wasn't sick for last year, I still always felt I looked tired. But once cutting out the gluten altogether, then my thyroid picked up its function and I felt so much better, able to lose weight. Ah, no, I love hearing your story because lots of people are living with joint pain and stiffness and and struggling and and also, you know, with Hashimoto's and thyroid problems and then and then mental mental health issues. It's all it's it's all um they're they're all very common, and so I really was excited when you came on the show because of you know that reason. Because I think that you, your your story has so much to offer so many different people from all walks of life. Because everyone has, most people has experienced some form of a mental health problem, and just knowing your story means that there's a bit of hope. But for me, I would hear your story and be like, wow. Yeah, well, my mother had um, bipolar. Uh, she had mental illness for years and was in and out of the mental hospital. I'm the eldest of five girls, so I was deeply affected by mental illness. And my mother's mother also, I think, possibly had bipolar as well, though she was um, diagnosed with some type of um, hebephrenia, which is a type of schizophrenia where you laugh at things that aren't funny. I remember saying to my psychiatrist when I was first diagnosed, so why did they have to admit my grandmother to a mental hospital just because she laughed at things that weren't funny? I mean, come on. But anyway, so she was there for years and, and died there at 85. And then my mother had it, so, and then I had it. So with that extensive family history of the bipolar, um, it's just amazing that I've been able to come off my medication. So mind you, I've got four sisters, none of them ended up with it. I was the one that ended up with it. And the thyroid disease my, both my parents had. Mm. Now my mum had a bit of problems with her joints too. I remember she used to knit a lot to help with pain. And she used to have celery tablets or something to help her, with her stiffness. So I think that's mum had that as well. So you've had really quite a dramatic recovery in the last two years yes and what is life like for you now oh much better i'm much more energetic i'm much more focused i can think a lot better i'm not as scatterbrained as i used to be though being a mother i've got five kids all together i've got two step kids as well but being able to be a mum and organize my life and and work and study like i have been um, when I 
a few months after I started to get better, I decided that I wanted to go and study chaplaincy, which is what I did. And then now I'm doing chaplaincy at the Royal Adelaide at on a voluntary basis. But um, being able to do all these things that I enjoy doing and then being able to join the Ethelton Entertainers, like, but that, I wouldn't have even been able to consider that because I wouldn't have even been able to get up and down the stage, like on the stairs, and stand up for the length of time that I have to. And then at the hospital and doing my chaplaincy work, I've got to walk around the, up and down the corridors, you know, and be on my feet a lot. There's no way I could have done that with the joint stiffness and pain. So I've hardly ever, I'm never sick anymore. So it's a whole new lease of life. And being able to do things that I enjoy is also helped my mental health. So I don't get headaches anymore. I don't, I don't get tummy bloating and upset tummy anymore. So it's just enabled me to do what I want to do. Oh my goodness. It's so... Like sometimes people, I had this woman recently, she was saying that my my podcast was pseudoscience rubbish that was doing a disservice to everyone, which I was like, oh gosh. But stories like yours, like it's just, they're, they, as someone who's come from chronic disease and people, and people who are listening who are living with chronic disease, stories like yours, they... They seem too good to be true because they are too good to be true. You know, that's it's there is it's just so this way of eating is so powerful. It's so it's it is like magic, and and it is I can see why she I can see why she's saying like stop spreading these stories of crazy ridiculous health because they're well, it's just the truth about what happens. It's just so. the truth about what happens and unfortunately like there's no science because there's just you know like Je- Jenny Cameron's on the show she talks about why there why there is not enough strong science for a whole food plant-based diet because it's it's impossible to do the randomized control double there's blind trial and there's not enough money to be made from this way of eating to support because you make a lot of money selling drugs and there's you know food how can they make money out of telling people what food yeah to eat? eat plant yeah. foods right so anyway yes so i just i just love these stories so much and even though you know i'm not a doctor and you're not a doctor and this isn't a random controlled trial <laughs> i I um, randomized control trial. That's what it's called. I'm terrible at these kind of things. Um, I love these stories because to me it is like magic. I love hearing your story because it's not like magic, like witchcraft, but just like like a miracle. It's a miracle. Like it's just the food is miraculous at the way it heals our bodies. I joined this group called Plant Powered Adelaide. I noticed that you've done a podcast with Dr. Helene and Alphonse Rokes. Jama is her name. Yeah, well, so I joined that group in the beginning of the year because um, when I shared my story on Facebook uh, about how I'd gotten better, someone told me about the Plant Pad Adelaide group. So I started, I went along to a social event they had here at Morietta Falls and Dr. Helene told me about the course she does, the Food for the Life course. So I've just done that course to, to educate me better in how to cook vegan food without oil so I've just done that course and doing some of the recipes at home and that that's 
that's been really good. Oh, that is so great. Helene is Helene and Alphonse are incredible doctors and incredible advocates for this way of eating. And I love the work that they're doing to spread these messages and to teach people how to make whole food plant-based eating accessible, delicious. And they're doing a conference in Melbourne next year. Different doctors. Have you heard about that one? Uh, I went to one with them last year, two with them last year. So I haven't heard of this one, no. Yeah, in February next year. Uh, Dr. Helene's going to be in it and some other doctors Clint Patterson told me about when he was talking to me. Um, he's going to be the the um, MC for it. And there'll be about 400 doctors there from Australia and maybe around the world, I'm not sure, but they're going to be educating doctors on how to help people do whole food plant-based eating in order to reverse and recover from chronic diseases. So if you're listening, go look it up, hunt, hunt it down. One last thing before you go, I would love to know your three biggest tips for people listening who are considering adopting a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. When you go to the shops, have a shopping list of what you need and maybe do a menu for the week of what you want to cook and then buy those ingredients and don't buy any crap at the supermarket to start with. That way it can't find itself into your house for you to eat. Yes, good tip. My faith is also important and prayer. Um, relating to the diet, it's when I um, talk about my problems to God and leave them with him and ask him to help me, it releases that any anxiety and it gives me peace. So I used to do a lot of emotional eating when I was upset or not feeling okay, I would eat. But having that faith that, you know, God is there and God is present and God is helping me. It just helps me. It just helps me um, with my diet. It's such a great tip. And like, even if whatever your faith is, even if you don't have like a formal religious faith, um, spirituality and practicing that prayer and that belief in something bigger, um, it's been shown time and time again to have to be a healing influence on people's lives, um, whether it's meditation or mindfulness, whether it's practicing your specific specific faith or whatever it is, it has such a powerful um, impact on people's life and healing. And people like have shown time and time again that sometimes the only thing that's between a a patient difference in a patient and another patient as far as their health is is their faith. And then the, the, the one with faith heals, and the one without faith tends you know some can can. It makes it gives a bigger picture of your life. Yeah. But when um, I've hit really hard times, like when my husband died, you know, there's a few scriptures in the Bible that I can meditate on. And one is that I can do all things and Christ who strengthens me. And, you know, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love of a sound mind. When you meditate on those really good healing scriptures it, it just helps you like spiritually from inside out i've found anyway and it just gives me strength it gives me strength and strength to help other people too strength to even have compassion for other people <laughs> yes <laughs> like having that caring nature comes from that the other thing when you fall off the bandwagon and you've eaten something wrong don't beat yourself up about it. Just think, today's a new day. I'm going to do it right today. 
you know, if you eat something wrong or do something wrong with your diet, don't worry about it. Just get on and do the right thing the next day. Exactly. These tips are great. I love the shopping list. Don't stray from the shopping list. Tip number one, just go do your exact list, nothing else. Don't get to the cash register and buy a Mars bar on your way out just for a... Just stick to the list, great. Faith and prayer, meditation, mindfulness, however it is for you, having something, it helps so many people. Don't just dismiss it as fancy woo-woo stuff. It's It's been practiced by so many people across the world um, in positive ways. Obviously, it's been practiced in toxic ways as well across the world, but you know, we're focusing on the positive ways that influence our healing here. And and there are so many positive things about taking moments to be in prayer or meditation or mindfulness throughout each day and how it affects our body and it lowers our stress, stress hormones and it helps us to feel better. And it helps us with things like emotional eating, like Julie's talking about, Um, especially when we have a belief in a, in a higher, more loving power within ourself that's always with us and present with us constantly um and when you fall off the wagon just get back on the wagon i think that is such that is so important and that's what i tell all the people that i speak to like don't everyone makes mistakes like i've eaten a brownie like a vegan brownie but a brownie with margarine in it that i wouldn't normally eat like at a thing and just being like oh i shouldn't have but you know, we make mistakes. Just get back on the wagon the next day, the next meal. Yeah, and when you get, like with this emotional eating that I know a lot of people do, when you get upset about something, instead of reaching for something naughty or going to the shop to buy something that you shouldn't eat, um, bring up um, Beyond Blue or talk to a friend or talk to somebody you trust about what's going on. Do, do it, work out your problems and your concerns in a healthy way. Mm. It's so true. And even something like as simple as like journaling or having a bath or doing some silly jumping around dancing to a song that you think's fun and happy. Like there's so many things you can do, writing, reading a book that's like watching a comedy, whatever it is that can take your mind off the feeling that you want to eat. I'm also an ex-smoker. <laughs> I smoked uh... – I stopped smoking 12 years ago when I was pregnant with my third child and had smoked on and off in the 20 years before that. But um, when you feel like, a, you know, that to that stress point that you need a cigarette, just go and do something that you like doing instead. Smoking's so bad for you. Mm, I agree, I smoked too. It's... It is so bad for you. And it's so hard for people because it is such a crutch, like you say, but it's the same as food. We all have our vices, alcohol, you know, not we all, but people do like alcohol. We turn, we turn, we choose something to numb the pain of, of life. And it's about realizing that those things aren't going to fix the problem. We have to fill ourselves with joy and refill our cups. And I think that that is a large portion of what it means to fill the, to fix the problem. Uh, Julie, thank you so much for coming on the show. I have loved having you and hearing your story. And I know that it's going to help so many people who are listening and who are going through, you know, mental health problem or Hashimoto's disease or rheumatoid arthritis or even food addiction and um, trying to give up smoking. Like there's some great, great tips in here and some 
just some great insights and I'm so grateful for you coming on the show and sharing with them, them with I us. I hope it's helped somebody. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm, I'm sure it has. I'm sure it has. Even if it's just reinforcing that they're on the right track, I think that that's still a powerful thing to do. And that goes back to the falling off the wagon, getting back on. I think that hearing, repeatedly hearing how this, why this diet is so good, why it's so powerful, how it helps people overcome so many, a wide variety of chronic diseases and illnesses, you know, that keeps me inspired every single time I do an interview. Every time I listen to these stories, I get more and more solidified and confirmed in this way of eating for myself and my family. I'm looking at... Um Maybe I'm looking into maybe doing um, vegan dinner parties. <laughs> what a great idea! <laughs> you know, you get the host them in your you area, go and you you put on a, a nice dinner for a group of people. I reckon that would be good. So I'm mm. looking into doing that now. <laughs> what a <laughs> great idea! Else to my, what I do. <laughs> I'm so excited for you because, you know, you've come through so much and look at you now. You're a vibrant, amazing, vital woman that's pain-free and medication very much less and just smashing life. Yeah, and, you know, and able, to be, smash, a, able life. to be a better wife and a mother. Thank you so much, Julie, for coming on the show. Thank you all for listening. I am so grateful to you for subscribing to this show and for telling your friends and family about it or leaving a kind review on iTunes or Stitcher app or over at the website. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. It really helps these stories get out to more people who may you know, be able to adopt a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet and at least feel dramatically better or a little bit better. <laughs> you know, Any bit better is worth it is worth it. So thank you so much for sharing this episodes with your family and friends or sharing it on Facebook. Or, you know, I just, this podcast is for people to empower themselves, to change their health and take their lives, their lives back um, and their health back into their own hands. So thank you for helping me do that by listening, sharing, supporting this podcast, telling your friends and family to listen to it. All those things, it really makes my it's just, it makes my day, but I mean, it's not, it's so much greater than that. You know, if it's helping people, people are writing to me telling me that they're getting help, they're feeling better, that they're changing their lives. And that's, that's the whole purpose of this podcast. So thank you so much for your support. Um, and I will see you next week when I have a, just turn the page. <gasps> We have Heather and Tony Confer on the show and their story, they've got an excellent, excellent weight loss story for everyone who has dealt with yo-yo dieting and being overweight and struggling to lose weight. Tony's story and Heather's story is so very, very, I just... I, I can't get enough of these stories. You know that by now. <laughs> but yes, so look forward to that. Tony and Heather will be on the show next week. Thank you in advance, Tony and Heather, Heather for coming on the show. And thank you again for listening. Bye.